Well, we're going to do something a little different this morning that is, uh, makes my heart very, very happy. Because um, I'm going to get an opportunity to introduce you to somebody who's just, I mean, there are three people on the face of this globe that I love more than anybody. My wife is the light of my life. My son is the joy of my heart, and my daughter is the apple of my eye. And I get to get to share another fish book with you this morning, who's going to come and actually hang out with me, and you're going to be really nice to her. Um, Because if you don't, you're going to meet the protector, not the pastor, and that's how this is going to work. We understand that? Can I get an amen from a dad in the room? That's kind of how it works. And so we want to talk about Jesus we want to open the Word of God together. Uh, everything that McKenna's going to lay out, this is her content, really. I'm kind of, I'm like the, I'm here for show this weekend, basically. And uh, so would you put your hands together and please welcome my daughter, McKenna Fishbook, to the stage as she comes. Hi. Awesome. So this weekend, uh, we're going to talk together about Jesus, but we're going to do it in the context of God, dads, and daughters. Now, I know some of you are prone to check out right away and go, I'm not a dad, and I'm not a daughter of God. Okay, so this doesn't apply to me. But I want to have you understand that it applies to everybody. Everybody in this room came from a daughter of God. Think about it, okay? Nod your head if you understand. I know it's early, okay, all right? And if you're a guy... You may not be a dad yet, but you may be dating a daughter of God. You may be married to a daughter of God. You may be trying to date or marry a daughter of God. And I'm here to help you because some of you seriously need to learn some game. That's just the bottom line. Okay? All right? So we're going to unpack this together. It applies to everybody. And we're going to jump to Mark chapter 5. It's in your outline. If you grab your Bible or your app, it's where we're going to be eventually. But to set it all up, I just wanted McKenna to share with you why a daughter needs a dad. So when I started this list, there's obviously so many things I could have said, but I decided to bring it to a few bullet points for you. A daughter needs a dad to love her through the inevitable brace face and four eyes years. So as she matures, she will always remember what it felt like for a man to find her beautiful because of who she was, not how she looked. A daughter needs a dad to be the standard from which she will compare all men against. And with a dad like mine, that leaves you with an incredibly small dating pool. (laughs) Which makes for one very happy dad and one very bored daughter. A daughter needs a dad who is willing to sit awake until she returns home at night, not only to remind her the importance of a curfew, but to demonstrate the many uses of a front porch security camera. I have one of those, and I am always watching. (laughs) A daughter needs a dad to love her while she's learning to love herself. A daughter needs a dad to show her that her value is found in Jesus. The most powerful words are spoken with humility. Trust should be earned and respect should be expected. You know, if you Google dads and daughters, it's amazing. All the lists that show up are why daughters need dads. But I want to flip it over because I think dads need daughters. And let me tell you why. Dads need daughters to teach us that it's cool to play Barbies and go to tea parties. Just saying it, all right? Dads need daughters to teach us that we can fix anything except for a little girl's hair, okay? So... (laughs) One weekend, my wife goes away, leaves me in charge. I'm trying to get my daughter ready. All she said, put in ponytails. It's the simplest thing. McKenna's three-year-old response, because she had a very advanced vocabulary at that time. We're looking in the mirror together, and this is what she says. This is a catastrophe. (laughs) 
We called it a daddy do. That's what it was called, all right? Dads need daughters to help us tap into our emotional side because real men have emotions. Dads need daughters to teach us how to pray about boys and self-control and murder. Dads need daughters to teach us about ourselves. Dads need daughters to awaken the protector inside of all of us. Dads need daughters to help us and protect us from becoming sandals with socks guy, okay? (laughs) Gentlemen, it's just plain wrong. Don't do it. Repent before God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and your family. If I ever see you wearing sandals with socks at Christ the King, I will make fun of you on purpose. Just saying, okay? A dad needs a daughter who will challenge us on our inconsistencies and call us out on our double standards. Dads need daughters because they're a precious gift from God, and God uses them to touch our Father's heart with the Father heart of our Savior. Several weeks ago, Pastor Brian Steele preached what I thought was one of the most powerful messages we've ever heard at Christ the King Church. He told the story of a demon-possessed man who had an encounter with Jesus on the Gentile side of a lake. After that happens, Jesus crosses over to the Jewish side of the lake, and that's where we're going to pick up the story this week. This week, we're going to focus on a story from the Bible about a dad and a daughter. In this account, a daughter needs a dad who will stop at nothing to help her because she is in need of a desperate touch from Jesus. So McKenna, unpack the story for us. The Bible says in verse 21, when Jesus had crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. We need to understand how big of a deal this was for Jairus. You're a Jewish synagogue leader, and now you're throwing yourself at the feet of an itinerant Jewish rabbi who in Jairus' mind was guilty of blasphemy and had been labeled a heretic because he was claiming to be the son of God. It's a big deal. Jairus was putting his future, his career, his life on the line because he needed to come to Jesus and ask for help. His little girl was sick, and he needed help. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. This leads us to our first point. A daughter needs a dad who will seek out Jesus. I would imagine the thoughts going through Jairus' head would be similar to that of any dad. I'm sure he felt helpless because there back at home, lying in a bed, breathless, was the body of his little girl, the little girl that he was supposed to take care of. I'm sure he felt like a failure because he was her dad. And dads are supposed to bandage, scrape knees, wipe away tears, and mend broken hearts. Dads are supposed to make it all better. Yet there he lay, collapsing and begging at the feet of Jesus because his daughter didn't need a Band-Aid or a hug. She needed a savior. So Jairus put the life of his daughter in the only hands he could trust. Jesus, the same hands that he would hope would one day heal her. Jairus wasn't a failure or helpless. He was simply a humble dad coming to the feet of Jesus. Dads, it's okay to want to be Superman for your little girl as long as you remember more important than your cape is your willingness to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. You don't need all the answers. You don't need all the solutions. You simply need to show your daughter whom she should seek 
when looking for them. Our next point is a daughter needs a dad who believes that life comes from Jesus. Jairus knew he couldn't turn to his own power to heal his daughter. He knew that keeping rule wasn't going to help. He knew that religion wasn't going to help. Jairus needed to go to the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jairus was a father who believed that Jesus could be and would be life for his little girl. So he came, he humbled himself, he took a risk, and in that moment, Jairus was a fantastic father. Dads, you've been given a precious gift if you have a little girl, okay? And we're not demeaning at all the relationship between fathers and sons or mothers and sons or mothers and daughters. We're just working in the context that God's given us this particular morning. You've been given a precious gift and a daughter. And I believe every father in this room will answer to God for the way that you love her and protect her. Just in case you missed it, McKenna in her explanation already has given you as a dad a phenomenal job description. I want to reinforce this again. This is her content, not mine, that she's reading. She wrote this stuff herself. And I read her first section, and I began to pull out the job description bullet points that she laid out for dads. So dads, let me talk to you. As a father to a father, this is the description of a godly father. A godly father, number one, will show his daughter that true love is unconditional. That it's not conditional on who she is or how successful he is. It's just pure, unadulterated love. Number two, a godly father teaches his daughter that her value as a person is more than just in the way that she looks. And gentlemen, you need to know the culture is sending exactly the opposite message. She needs to know that we see her as beautiful because she is. Can I get an amen from a dad in the room? Number three. A godly father teaches his daughter that family is more important than work. Jairus left his career behind. Dad, some of us have forgotten how to do that. That it's more important to be home than to be working all the time. Number four, a godly father will show his daughter that a man can be trustworthy. Gentlemen, that's not the message that's being conveyed to your daughter in the world. In the world, men use, men abuse, and men lie. That's how it works. As godly men, we are called to a different standard, the standard of Jesus. Number five, a godly father becomes the safe spot that his daughter can always turn to. Number six, a godly father teaches his daughter that a man's strength is not in the force of his hands or the force of his voice, but in the kindness of his heart. Number seven, a godly father becomes the standard against which his daughter will judge all other men, which means this. McKenna is the thumb, and I'm the wrist. And I have hopefully modeled for her and taught her that whenever one of them shows up on my doorstep, that she will extend out her thumb and be able to judge his character by what she's learned from her daddy. So far, amen. There we go. So far... This is how we're trending, and I like that. <laughs> but it's also a dad's responsibility to be praying for the young man who someday will show up on my doorstep, and we'll get one of these. You better bring your game, all right? And my iPad just died. Let's keep going. <laughs> Number eight, a godly father will help his daughter take risks that will build her confidence. Number nine, a godly father will hold her when his daughter cries. Number 10, a godly father 
will teach his daughter that she's important by being involved in her life at every level and every age. Gentlemen, if you think you can kick in as a dad when she turns 14, you are sadly mistaken. She needs you when she's one, when she's two. I mean, it seems like just yesterday, McKenna, in my mind, was six. When did this happen, right? But being involved at every level, all of the time, without apology, is what I believe every girl wants. You know, this story is fascinating because really there's a story within a story. So Jairus comes and says, Jesus, would you come with me? I need you to heal my daughter. And then as Jesus is heading towards Jairus' house, an amazing thing happens. McKenna, why don't you take us from there? We're calling this divine interruption. The story goes on to say, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. It's important to remember that this woman is taking an incredible step of faith. Due to her bleeding, she was viewed as unclean. She was an outcast, banned from society. This means that she was literally putting her life at risk to touch Jesus. Verse 29 says, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered. And yes, you can ask who touched me, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. I love this moment because even in the commotion of Jesus going to raise a girl from the dead, he felt a woman touch him. I'm sure there were hundreds crowding against Jesus, yet he felt his little girl touch him. Then, as Jesus seems to do, he put a calm to the crowd and turns to look into the face of his little girl. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole story. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. She was healed because she had faith that Jesus could. She knew there was no other answer, no other hope, and so she placed all of her future in the hands of the only person she could trust. She was placing her hands in the, her life in the hands of Jesus, the same hands that lay the life of Jairus's daughter. Now, Jairus is only human, so I'm sure frustrations were boiling within him. Jesus, you're coming to heal my daughter. Did you forget we don't have time to stop. See, this is one of the biggest limitations we have as believers. We cannot even begin to comprehend that Jesus has time to pursue a relationship individually with each and every one of us. There is no limit to his love and no bounds to his power. Yet even with this knowledge, I know I still question God's ability to hear both my prayers and the thousands of others. Every night our family gathers together, we share prayer requests, and we pray before we go to bed. My dad has talked about a boy named Jesse who's the same age as me, who's battling a brain tumor. Every night we pray for healing and for a miracle, but I'm only human. So during this time, my mind seems to wander to the question, why would my prayer for a test or a college application even compare when the life of a boy was weighing in the balance? 
See, I feel like a lot like the woman in this moment. My problem didn't seem as big. My need didn't seem to compare, but I still needed Jesus. We all do. The beauty of the fact is that his arms are big enough to hold all of us. His eyes so focused, he can see each and every one of our faces. And his ears never too preoccupied to hear the words of his children. No matter what role you find yourself in today, the daughter, the dad, or the woman, Jesus is available to you, simply waiting in anticipation for you to call out in need. I mean, just think about it. How many times have you been sitting in a group of people, people are sharing prayer requests, and the one that you had planned to share suddenly gets taken off the table because somebody else has one that just seems a little bit bigger and a little bit more important? We've all done it, haven't we? When are we going to consider the fact that God has limitless power, limitless love, and that he can not only take care of Jesse's brain tumor, he can also take care of McKenna's college applications and your overdue mortgage and your struggling business? I mean, when are we going to not demean the power of God by withdrawing our prayer requests? I love the fact that God would teach us in this story that he has the capacity to look after Jairus and his daughter and this lady that needed him in that moment too. So may we be the kind of people in faith who understand that God has the capacity to cover all of the needs in his time for his glory and that we can trust in Let's keep on going. Verse 35 says, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. This is our next point. A daughter needs a dad who trusts in God's promise, not man's reason. This is one of Satan's favorite lies to tell believers. Why bother the teacher anymore? Your marriage is too far gone. Why bother Jesus with it? You've already lost your purity. Why bother Jesus with it? Your relationship with your son or daughter is already so far gone. Why bother the teacher with it? But I love Jesus' res response. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus' biggest desire is for you to seek out his words, lean on his strength, and focus on his voice above all else. I know it's easier said than done, but imagine what freedom we would have if we chose to believe in God's grace, his faithfulness, and his promise. Jairus knew he would be mocked and viewed as weak by the people in his community, but he chose to abandon all fear for the sake of his little girl. Dads, one day your girl is going to find herself in a position where choosing God's will will mean she needs to stand alone. In this moment, I pray she can reflect on the many times that you taught her that there is more power in God's promise than man's acceptance. Verse 37 says, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately she stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. 
He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. He told them to give her something to eat. Jesus displays his true humility here. He could have gone for the glory and the clapping and the accolades because he just raised a girl from the dead. But instead, he chose to focus on her needs and her future. Dads, what matters is that you focus on the well-being of your little girl. What matters is that you love her when she gets it right and you love her enough to tell her when she gets it wrong. Jesus didn't need a pause of the crowd because he saw the love in his little girl's eyes. And at the end of the day, I think that's all a dad really needs. I can say amen to that. <laughs> I want to step out of the story for just a second and talk to the dads in the room again. Staying with the same theme, I believe a daughter needs a dad who will go to Jesus for his own healing. You know, gentlemen, we, uh, our families are depending on us to bring our own lack of faith and our own struggles and our own insecurities to Jesus. One of the things that I love about Christ the King Church is that we do recovery work here. We do recovery here because we believe it's okay to not be okay. And I know dads who are wrapped with shame, who feel like complete and total failures, who may have blown it completely at one point or another. And the truth is, gentlemen, we have been called by God to go to the same place that Jairus did, to go to Jesus, to go to the foot of the cross, and to seek healing for our own soul. There's something beautiful about doing that. You see, I believe real men seek God with their whole heart. I believe real men allow God to break us down and build us back up again. I believe that real men are willing to go to great lengths to become a godly man who seeks God with everything that he has, no matter the cost. Gentlemen, we have such a high calling. God has entrusted us with so much, and to whom much has been given, much will be required. It's time for us as a generation of fathers to step up, to step in, to step through, and to humble ourselves at the foot of the cross where we can find healing for our own soul and in that find healing in the relationships that may be laying in, in, in shattered ruins around us. So gentlemen, I just want to encourage you. There's a very powerful moment because, I, I, I mean, I, I watch what happens as we do this. I've been watching it all weekend long. There's a group of guys here, and every time I say, Father, you stare at the floor. Can you just look me right here for a second, just man to man, eye to eye, dad to dad? Don't let the enemy push your shame button. Do something about it. I have lost track of the number of times I've had to go back to this little girl and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I should have showed you what patience was. Instead, you got a great example of what a short temper looks like. I should have been cool and calm in the situation, and instead I raised my voice and I lost it. There's something so unbelievably humbling about a dad going back to his children and saying, look, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And to hear back, I forgive you. Gentlemen, I don't care if they're 8, 18, 28, or 58. If there's something that needs to be made right, for the love of God, make it right. Pick up the phone, ask for forgiveness, do what your heavenly Father has done for you. Be willing to open up your heart and say, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Ken, I want you to bring this in for a landing for us.
It would be easy to walk away from a message like this and feel sweet. I'm the daughter. I'm just going to lay here while somebody else goes and seeks Jesus for me. He's going to come. He's going to solve my problems, and life is going to be great. But if you're the daughter now, you will one day find yourself in a position where you're being called to seek Jesus for somebody else. If you're the dad now, you will one day find yourself in a position where you need to humble yourself and allow somebody else to seek Jesus for you. As you fill each role, it is your duty to attain an understanding. An understanding for when your dad gets it wrong, an understanding for when your daughter gets it wrong, and an acknowledgement that you're both running in pursuit of the same Savior. You're bound to stumble along the way, but that's where it comes into play that you need to challenge somebody. You need to be there to help pick them back up, because what better journey to be on with your dad or your daughter than running in pursuit of the same Savior. Laurel and I are blessed with two great kids. We love my son and my daughter incredibly. Today we are doing God, dads, and daughters. Maybe someday we'll do God's mother and sons, and Braden and Laurel will freak out completely when they hear that. <laughs> Laurel and I didn't want to raise pastor's kids because we know what the reputation is, right? Let's just be honest. The only answer we had to that was if we go after Jesus together hard, maybe they'll follow us. Maybe they'll just tuck right in behind a broken daddy and a broken mom and find out that we all stand equal in need of a Savior at the foot of a cross. So today, I just want to talk to those of you as we wrap up that may be really, really disappointed because your earthly dad he just didn't meet the standards that we're talking about. He just wasn't gyrus. And I'd like to talk to you for just a second because as we've done this all weekend long, I just watch around the room and every time I see the word father or dad, I see people cringe. I want you to note something. God, your heavenly father, wants to make up for all the failures of your very human father. I can speak from experience. Dad's just... We can try really hard and we're just not good enough. It's the bottom line. But the beautiful thing of Scripture is that it teaches us that there's a heavenly Father who has limitless wisdom, is completely available, will provide every need that we have, maybe not every want, but every need, will walk alongside of us, help us, protect us, and that He's in it for the long haul, that He never falls asleep at the wheel, that He never abandons He's always there. So if today you can't release that idea that, that maybe your earthly father lets you down, my encouragement is to go to your heavenly father. And can I tell you something that your heavenly father said? He said, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Because the only one who's suffering, if you're bitter towards your father, the only one who's locked in the prison of bitterness is you. And Jesus wants to set you free. And you get free when you forgive. Whether they deserve it or not, you get free when you forgive. And you only have to ever forgive to the level that it took for Jesus to forgive you. Wow. <laughs> Ladies, we talk about you on Mother's Day. But as a proud husband and a very proud father today, I would love to leave this time together by speaking to the women of Christ the King. On behalf of your heavenly father, I would say this. 
God the Father believes that you are beautiful, worth pursuing, and worthy of honor. Ladies, you are not a princess because your husband or your significant other or your dad is a prince. You are a princess because your heavenly father is a king. Carry that with you this week, ladies. That is your true identity. And God the Father wanted you to know that so deeply that He sent His one and only Son to pay your penalty on a cross so that you could be set free and live as a dearly loved daughter of the Most High God. Amen. And amen. McKenna, would you pray for us as we close this morning? Dear Lord, I pray for every person in the room, whether they are coming from a broken relationship with their dad or anybody in their family. I pray for healing in their hearts, Lord. I pray that the areas that were left vacant by their earthly father or their earthly mother would be filled with you, Lord. I pray that we would search for you for our worth and depend on that, Lord, instead of our earthly standards. I pray for healing in any relationships that are broken. And I pray for encouragement and challenge as they walk out of the doors today. I thank you for the opportunity to get to share a podium with my dad. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.